Welcome to the Town Manager Download, a podcast about local government and the town of Shrewsbury. I'm Kevin Mizikar, Town Manager of the Town of Shrewsbury, and as always, I'm joined by Communications Coordinator Taylor Galusha. In today's episode, we will be joined by Nick Repecta, Highway Division Manager, to discuss snow and ice operations and all things highway. What's going on, Taylor? Nothing. We took a little break just from break. my dog sitting accolades in a different state, but um, we're back and I got to spend some quality time with my 16-year-old lab, nice. Brady, and we had a great week together. Cool. So, yeah. A very accommodating workforce here. We are. It was there. very appreciative so my parents could go take a well-deserved vacation. Wonderful. And I could keep Brady at her house instead of, because it is her house. Got my it. dad knows it. <laughs> the it. dog's house. Um, but, um, and the theory, or not theories, his uh, comments about her leaving the room when he goes on Zooms um, was 100% true. The only people that she didn't leave the room for when I was on Zoom was you. And, manager download him right exactly and then julie tierney <laughs> it was just julie and you that she stayed sitting by me like i had meetings with keith i had um historic district commission meeting that i went to and she booked it as soon as i as soon as i started talking on the, on the phone so well, hopefully you gave her plenty of treats for all those amazing feats of her going outside yes she got she gets plenty of treats <laughs> lots of walks for her so even if she just walks around in a circle outside, she gets a treat. So, sounds She's perfect. A good dog. Good. <laughs> what What's going on with you? We had a fun day uh, over the weekend. Went to New York City to see the Radio City Spectacular and meet up with uh, my in-laws. It was my father-in-law's seventieth birthday. Nice. So. Um, Aaron and her sisters and our girls and their respective boyfriends and fiancés all went and saw the show and then we went out to a nice dinner so down and back to new york city which we love to do so we have that plan figured out so that was a lot of fun did you take to be the, in train? the city we did not nope just drive in um find parking reserve <laughs> parking in advance and head out that's it's interesting. I know there's many benefits to public transportation, mm -hmm. but for us to take the train, it actually adds time oh. just because of the schedule and all those things. So, yeah, but no, it's good. It's it's always amazing to be in Manhattan and just see how many people there are. You know, we got there around 1130 and like you hit Fifth Avenue and it's like 10 foot wide sidewalks, wall to wall people in every direction. The, Rockefeller Center tree is still shrouded in scaffolding. Oh, it's not up lights yet? In. It's up. Well, not like but that the, done. Yeah, the lights, they don't light it till the 29th this year. So, um, yeah, but there's a ton going on, and it's just, I don't know, that's, in some ways that's like old school, like downtown, town center, and I know it's New York City, right? There's right, not right, a million right, people right. there, but like. <laughs> <laughs> retail shops and people are coming in and you know going to and coming from and i don't know it's just a different world i enjoy it i, I wouldn't want to live there to be honest with you but i enjoy the city the city girl. aspects of the city <laughs> like to be able to go to the city yeah i'm yep. good in my yeah so we had dinner at a nice irish pub which was 
fitting. Nice. So that was, was a lot of fun. And, you know, the Radio City Holiday Spectacular is, it's fun. Yeah. So it's I've not very been. long. Radio City Music Hall is an amazing place just to be in. It is bigger than you could ever imagine. Like really? the Like the scale of it. It's crazy big. So. I'll have it's to good. go out there someday yeah. and see the see the spectacular. Not Anything else from home. you? Anything I'm getting ready on? for Friendsgiving. So yeah. All my home friends that now that we're past college and whatnot, everyone's living their own mm-hmm. own lives beyond the small town that we yeah. grew up in. So I have friends that live in Brooklyn, New York now. Friends mm-hmm. that have found their way to Central Massachusetts. So. Um, we have our nice tradition of all coming together before Thanksgiving. Good. Going to our old towny like pub the night before and mm-hmm. hanging out. Um, I did get a Kindle. You this got is, a Kindle. This is big news for me because I've always been like, I need to read a book. Hold on like, a hold second. Hold the book in my hands. Yeah. But I got a Kindle because I have been reading so much. Um, I've read 30 books this year. Wow probably like 10 to 15 of those have been in the last like three, four months. Um, But now- Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Now with my Kindle though, when I finish the book on my Kindle and I like it enough, I get to go buy the hardcover version of it at Barnes and Nobles. It's like a trophy and it goes on my book (laughs) It's like a trophy. I can it again. It's a reward. So yeah, green green Kindle. It's a lot easier to carry and travel with. Nice. Read it in the waiting room at the at a doctor's office. Like just pull it out instead of being on my phone. I have my my Kindle. So nice. Pro Kindle now. I was very anti Kindle for like the last like twelve very, years of my life. It's very groundbreaking. In it is. It is. Twenty twenty three. So. Especially for me. But what's what's going on in the shrew? Yeah, there's making a lot of progress on a number of different things. Uh, we finally had the formal presentation of the climate action. Finally, not in a bad way, but right. finally, like, yay, we made it, and a lot of work has gone into it. So, climate action plan wrapped up, presentation to the select board. Uh, we're moving well into the budget process, and the board solidified uh, their understanding of the revenues that are available, and that allows us to set guidance and direction out. Um, we also um, heard a presentation recently that we're going to be changing trash haulers for yep. uh, recycling and, and solid waste, not until next July. But, right. Um, that's a big change in the community. Um, yeah, so there has been quite a bit going on. Um, and I also just have to say this is a little more, this is somewhere in, it's not what's up in the shrew and it's not really personal, but um, I had the ability to uh, go and talk with former colleagues at the uh, Leicester Economic Development Committee this morning. They're oh, working cool. on a couple projects that they asked me to come and talk with them about, which was a lot of fun to go back to Leicester Town Hall and see what they've been up to and have a conversation with them. So shout out That's to awesome. Dave Genero and his team over there in Leicester. So um, yeah, other th- other stuff going on in, in the Shrew though. We what? had the um, second edition or the fall edition of the Shrewsbury Connection quarterly newsletter go out last week, which was really exciting. Got lots of nice emails from people. Mm-hmm. I don't know, if just rooted from me doing like a little introduction in the in the newsletter this time. 
Um, I figured that it was probably a good idea to do that at some point because yep. it's weird to be like, hey, um, this is me. <laughs> this is me. Mm -hmm. um, so I received a lot of emails and it was it was really kind and felt good to kind of connect with the community in a new way. Mm -hmm. um, there's some information about the MBTA community's um, engagement process in there for people to um, find out more information on that. Um, there's also a Counts on Aging survey in there as well related to communication. So both of those have information in there. Um, earlier this month, the first ever multicultural festival kicked off, which was really cool to um, see all the different performers um, from all over the community. Um, hoping to do another one eventually as well. So, um, so lots of good things, good, happy happy things happening I'm yeah sure so lots of great opportunities to connect and engage so great and like roads like roads <laughs> that connect yeah roads that connect to each other <laughs> better than roads that don't connect to anything we have to keep nick focused nick on will like that one connected. i know he's probably laughing right now yeah. so yeah so um interesting conversation i'm sure today um, with Highway Division Manager Nick Repecta, who we'll have come on in a little bit. Um, highway is a division within the Department of Public mm -hmm. Works. But it wasn't always. It was not always, right. So it was a standalone department. And it was, was an aspect of the organization that we did consolidate into that DPW mm -hmm. bundle in, in 2019, 2018, 2019. Um, and, you know, there's also a component that as the town has grown, um, I would say traditionally, and I talked a little bit about this before, that you know the highway division or department in any given city or town may be called something, I'll say as extreme for a lack of better word, as the DPW. Like yeah. all cities and towns, so to speak, have a highway division. Some some of them are referred to as DPW, even though they don't have as broad a scope of work. Um, within our highway department, there was a fleet management division mm -hmm. or, or aspect and then we have spun that out into its own division as it really broadens beyond highway. Highway traditionally of, uh, in most cities and towns has the largest aspect of the fleet as far as heavy equipment goes. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense that they have dedicated staff to managing and maintaining those. But as we got bigger and um, you know we're, we're pushing just higher numbers of fleet across the organization that's been spun out. So. Um, that's a, a, a separate topic, but we'll, so we'll really get to focus in with Nick about uh, his role in managing the roadways of the town, how he plans for that, how they, he maintains them. And, and how much more expansive the highway is besides yep. just the roadways and that's everything. That's right. Yep. They have the large stormwater component within them as well. Uh, yeah, a, a really big aspect of their operations is tied into uh, stormwater, and, and we can talk about that. And and we'll talk about staffing numbers, but there's probably an even bigger component when it comes to dollars and cents and mm -hmm. contracted work because that transition was made decades ago. We don't necessarily do our major roadway repaving and resurfacing projects. We contract that all out. That takes a lot of work and oversight and effort. Um, to do as well, but yeah. it, it's a, a broad portfolio of things that get done uh, within the highway division. And, and I also, um, before I just bring Nick on, 
got to give, you know, preliminary kudos because there's been a lot of innovation and a lot of interesting things that have been taken on through the division to yeah. modernize operations. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about a number of those um, leveraging technology and leveraging new approaches to performing more traditional activities and just doing it better and more I think effectively. And Jeff mentioned it too during his episode last time about like, like we have enough staff to do what we need to do, but mm -hmm. we do more with less. And it's just Correct. like with the talents that are within Nick's, Nick himself and his team that um, allow us to be able to kind of do so much with what we have. Right, so. absolutely. And um, what better time to talk to the highway division manager than November? Right, right. And, <laughs> I you know, planned. Um, we'll be looking at some snow within minor accumulating amounts within the next few days was in the forecast it's gonna knock on wood so and then you know the other thing i was just thinking that might be a major concern that we're gonna have to think about is that this episode is supposed to launch on thanksgiving day oh so we might have to have maybe. some overtime for staff <laughs> wednesday or friday <laughs> i'm sure mark will make it happen he always does yeah. we'll give him some extra turkey so i think it's time to um Bring Nick Repecta, Highway Division Manager, in to the Town Manager Download. So we are joined now on the Town Manager Download uh, by Nick Repecta, Highway Division Manager. Nick, welcome. Thanks for having me today. Of course. How you been? Fantastic. Good, We're good. Looking forward to winter. Not looking forward to? Well, some people are, but not me. <laughs> it's always the struggle. It means we get to talk more. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, some some hidden benefits behind everything. So, Nick, um, we always like to get people up to speed a little bit more on the personal side of things, and then we'll dig into the nuts and bolts of your professional responsibilities. So uh, let's take a step back and have you tell us a little bit about your career path into local government, what you may have done before coming to the town of Shrewsbury, how long you've been with the town, why, you know, what you like about this uh, position and this career path and how you ended up as the division manager here in Shrewsbury. Well, uh, in a prior life, let's say, I worked at Worcester Country Club uh, right out of high school. Um, happened to get a job there the day after graduation. Worked there for nine seasons. Um, and then just, it took me a different direction when I saw the ad in the newspaper. Uh, back then, the newspapers, <laughs> we just searched for jobs. Um, for the parks department. Okay. So 2004, I was offered the job. I started March 1st, 2004. Uh, Angela Snell and Doug Schoenfeld hired me. Um, a couple of years later, I moved over uh, to the highway department. And then 2015, I was promoted to the foreman. And 2018, upon the departure or retirement of John Knipe, um, I was got the uh, division manager job when I consolidated DPW. Um, you know, I, my father worked in public works. He was okay. on the highway department in Leicester, um, I think nearly 20 years before his retirement. And I just kind of saw the career path that he had, went from a private contractor into sure. uh, into the public sector and thought it was a good choice. And here I am, uh, nearly 20 years later, yeah. still working for the town. It's been a nice. great place to work. Awesome. So um, you said you came into the parks department. That's yep. where you started. Parks. So what? What other? So what? What did you do when you first started out working in parks? Uh, we were they. 
put me up to the uh, the high school. Well, high school is nearly brand new then. It was, okay. I think, a year old. Yeah. And that's where uh, Doug Schoenfeld, the foreman for the Parks Department at the time, stationed me, um, lining the fields, mowing the grass, and doing whatever had to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took over uh, doing a lot of irrigation repairs uh, all over town, but I was working with a couple of veteran, mm-hmm. veteran employees of the parks at the time. And, uh, you know, I think, I think ultimately I wanted to move into highway just with the heavy equipment and whatnot, mm-hmm. but I had the background in, in turf, uh, working at the golf course for so yeah. many years, and I've always been into equipment and, and you know, doing that, that side of it. That's what drove me to the, uh, mm-hmm. to the highway side. So what do, you, what do you think, how did you find that path upwards and, and what drove you to maybe um, not just stay in that first job that you had here with the town within parks? And, you know, you've, you've made your way into, you know, the, the senior level management position within the town. How did you do that and, and what's made you successful in that? So I think just the progressive stuff that we do on a day-to-day basis, I learned all the aspects of the job and I think I was forced to learn those aspects um, just because that's the way everybody was going. We had a bunch mm-hmm. of senior guys here, uh, especially in highway when I moved over. It, well, it was in, in parks as well, but uh, I just had to learn everything, you mm-hmm. know, so it that's a big benefit once you you know a lot of the day-to-day aspects and how to get stuff done to make it progressive to move forward mm-hmm. and uh, the opportunities arose you know when when Dan Rowley left in 2015 uh, that vacated that former position and, and yeah. that's when it started really making sense to move my career forward got it when did you get all your licenses so I had a lot of them coming in yeah. you know I had I had the CDL and I had the couple of the hoisting license I had my pesticide license mm-hmm. uh, coming in from the golf from working at the golf course oh, and, cool. and then just you know we the other couple ones you know they've come along the years and you know different certifications and it's been it's been a good thing for the town that the opportunities are there to advance in careers and better yourself because if you better yourself you better the town as well mm-hmm. you and jim just did that enclosed or more of the team that enclosed spaces yeah we, we like you guys are always doing new yeah and we send training. people yeah uh, actually jim jim fleming our uh supervisor is going to uh supervisors snow and ice class tomorrow okay. uh him and then uh two other guys last week uh, mike herbst and brett mccann both did uh, apwa snow and ice training uh, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. that's a certificate class online through through AP to, uh, American Public Works. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's all endorsed by the town. They've they've always looked forward to having everybody the best that they can be because it only benefits the organization. Yeah. You're nationally acclaimed too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna spring it on you. In, in, yeah, that wasn't yourself. on that wasn't on the agenda. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I actually had the opportunity, uh, Jim Fleming and myself, to go to Colorado to the mm-hmm. American Public Works Association. Uh, Western Snow and Ice Conference, and we got to go there because uh, Jim and I came in first place in Massachusetts uh, in the snowplow rodeo. It's a driver skills and safety training, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we came in first place in the truck team and had the opportunity to go to Colorado and compete on a national level. Um, We actually came in fifth place out of uh, 65 teams, I believe there were. Mm -hmm. Um, And I came in, I did the loader competition as well, the front end loader. I came in second in the state in the loader. And uh, came in fifth place overall out of a hundred in awesome. in uh, the country. Yeah, so that's really good. Did, yeah, you, beat the, the did you beat the team from Florida and Hawaii? Uh, I don't know if they, <laughs> they signed up. Um, that's the question. Yeah, no, we, it was no, pretty that's good an amazing accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. Make yeah, you brag about it. It's really good. I mean, first in the state is phenomenal. I know there's a lot of 
uh, it's really interesting, you know, uh, how it is a skills competition, but also a safety competition where you have to, maybe you could talk about that, like where you have to go around and check the truck and all yeah, that. So just a little backstory to it. Uh, we had uh, a team already signed up for it. Mm -hmm. um, and Jim came to me and wanted to do it as well, but he didn't have a partner. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, I'll just, I'll sign up and go with you. But, it, and you know, it just happened that we, we did well that day. Mm -hmm. um, there's a component to it that it's a circle check on a vehicle. So you have to do a safety check on any vehicle you're driving and a written test. Okay. And it's a general knowledge test about a lot about snow and ice and, and good practical uh, practical management and, and fundamentals about snow and ice removal, mm -hmm. plus the operation of the vehicle. So in, that, in both competitions, the Massachusetts and the uh, American Public Works one, both those components are there. Um, so it's pretty standardized. So if you do Massachusetts, you you have the same type of yeah. thing to do at um, at the national level. Okay. But it's awesome. uh yeah, just sharpen your skills. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It uh, so it, keeps it helps everybody. Safe. Yep. Yeah. Good. So uh, Nick, uh, we talked about the kind of transition from highway department to the Department of Public Works, and of of. For those that don't know, you uh, report into the DPW director. He's, you know, the direct supervisor. And you had mentioned Jim Fleming, um, who um, works for you. So tell us about your whole team, Jim and beyond. Um, number of employees, how they're organized, what their responsibilities are from yes. a staffing standpoint. So Highway's a team of 11, and that includes Jim and myself. So we have nine equipment operators, and they're all classified as equipment operators right mm -hmm. now. Um, they're all jack-of-all-trades. Okay. Yeah. Um, they're a good crew. Uh, we're on the younger side, and I don't mean age on the younger side. I mean years of service mm -hmm. on the younger side. Um, everybody has a first day. Everybody's learning, we're, and everybody's doing really well. Um, you know, snow and ice is a, is a different animal with training. So we're actively training these newer employees who have been here for a couple of months um, because we don't want to fail going out the first time. So mm -hmm. we, we try to put that, that effort into them. The new employees have actually gone to a couple of the frontline operator snow and ice trainings to give them the background of what our operation bases itself on. And we, you know, we base our operation on kind of the, the standard level of what everybody yeah. What everybody's doing mm -hmm. you know um a good bunch of people and they make me look good a lot of days you know yeah <laughs> so there's a lot of seasonality to your work and at least for my simple mind it might help if we go through your responsibilities kind of seasonally and since it's november 20th let's 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 start with winter so hypothetically and i don't want to scare you and make you run away but let's mm. say we were uh, there's a forecast to get a foot of snow on Friday. How, how do you approach that, you know, three days out, one day out, the first flakes until black pavement? Okay. How, how do you manage that? So I'm going to say right up front that I don't hold a whole lot of truth in any forecast over 72 hours out. And any forecaster will tell you that. And that's what I've, I've learned over the years. Mm -hmm. You can look at the long range stuff and see something out, you know, mm -hmm. 10 days out, but you don't hold a lot of weight in it because every on your radar. it's on the radar, you know, forecasts change every six hours. Mm -hmm. And um, we rely heavily on a couple different weather forecasts, but everything's based out of the National Weather Service anyway. They're just basing their forecast on what they're getting from the models. Mm -hmm. um, 
I mean, if we were looking at something on Friday, we'd, we'd have to see where the temperatures are at, where it's going to, what time frame is it going to start. Um, we got to feed the guys. We got, we got to make sure everybody's available. Mm-hmm. I start calling contractors to, you know, if it's a plowable amount, mm-hmm. um, uh, the contractor's all available. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we got we got to make sure see where the bus schedules are at. You know, with school, I've, I'm in constant contact over the winter with the superintendent and uh, the assistant superintendent of uh, of operations. Mm-hmm. You know, are we are excuse me, are going to an early release? You know, where's the tra- where's the traffic going to be at? Is there going to be is it during a commuter time? Mm-hmm. You know, this is all the stuff on the forefront that we're looking at mm-hmm. two to three days out. You know, like mm-hmm. I say, seventy two hours is usually a pretty good window. But then, basing on our forecast and temperatures, are we out pre-treating? What time can we go put our uh, liquids down a day, a day and a half in advance, mm-hmm. you know, to delay that bond of snow and ice to the roadway? Because that's that's ultimately what you're doing. You're not melting it away, which is really not cost-effective. You're delaying that from bonding to the road, yeah. mm-hmm. and then mechanically removing it after that. That's the most efficient way of getting rid of snow and ice. Mm-hmm. But um, you know. The, once we approach a storm, uh, we're out there way before uh, pre-treating, mm-hmm. so to speak, the roads that we couldn't get to the liquids on because we're, we're bound to buy capacity issues with the liquids because mm-hmm. um, it's only going to hold you off for so long. Um, we're putting salt down, granular material, before the first flake hits the ground because if you don't, you're not pre-treating anymore. You're actually treating the roadways. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a big aspect of, of uh, what we're, we're looking to do. You know, if we're out putting the liquids down prior we've already done our main roads so now that gives us the opportunity to get into the subdivisions and then treating the roads the main roads with the granular material because you've delayed that mm-hmm. time you bought yourself time um, last season we didn't have too many opportunities to do a liquids pretreatment because the temperatures and the precipitation type didn't allow that right because if you put the salt brine or, or your liquids down it's just going to wash away if it's rain on the front end mm-hmm. it doesn't do you any good so um, we we actively plow and i, I want to say we plow because we we have the luxury of having underbelly scrapers on all our salt trucks like i said the best most efficient way to remove snow is mechanical and those are those are just plows they're just mounted in a different location you know yeah. until there's too much for that and then we put the front plows on calling a full plowing operation and um ultimately calling in roughly 52 to 54 pieces of equipment mm-hmm. to do the entire town there's 300 plus lane miles of road that it's about 700 miles of road uh, 700 active roadways that we we maintain mm-hmm. um and that's quite that's an undertaking for 50 something pieces of equipment sure you know any storm can depending on the time if it's a one and done you know like we call go out and just scrape every road once around because it's a short duration storm yeah. um you're looking between four to six to possibly eight hours depending on um, how quickly the the roads get completed, and then we have 17 parking lots to take care of after that, and another 25 miles of sidewalk um, with two machines on on all the sidewalks. Um, sometimes one, you know, in the back of my head, one breakdown is detrimental. Yeah. You know, if we're just covering these roads, uh, the routes, one breakdown could put us behind the eight ball, and then you have to start splitting drivers up and covering areas so you know at least there's one piece of equipment on every road sure we've been fortunate in the past couple of years to have all the routes covered and, and covered adequately we saw a little downtick a couple of years ago where we were we were pretty thin and it's about the worst i've seen it um the past couple of years we've been fortunate so you have about 11 in-house staff and 
and then 40 contractors, is uh, that right? So we use, uh, we have about 20, 21 town pieces of equipment. Okay. We utilize a handful of uh, staff from the water and sewer and from Parks and Cemetery. Yep. Very appreciative for their help. Um, they're part of our winter team. Um, it's all hands on deck. Yeah, they're town employees. Uh, they know the town mm -hmm. better than any contractor. Well, I can't say that. We have some very seasoned contractors that have been here a number of years um, that do a, that do a phenomenal job. Mm -hmm. But these are you know the town employees that we we rely on, and they haven't let us down. They always do a good job. They're always there for us. And 34 pieces of contract equipment currently this year. That's that's where we look to go. I mean, like that covers eight salt routes with my guys. And then 33 plow routes altogether. A couple of them we have to we double up the routes yeah. with uh, pieces of equipment because we've seen over the number of years, uh, the recent number of years, um, we're seeing smaller equipment come in. We're not seeing uh, a lot of front end loaders and big equipment that you know you can cover a, a subdivision with one piece of equipment. We're seeing the three quarter ton pickups where you have to kind of double up two mm -hmm. uh, two pieces of equipment to to be efficient. So before we leave Snow and Ice, there's a couple areas of process improvement or innovation that I think are really interesting and we should talk about. Uh, the first is uh, what you mentioned a couple times uh, in the lead up, the pre-treatment, and that's our brine program. So what is what is the brine program? You know, what do you do with it? What does it, how does it benefit operations? Oh, salt brine um, is just a it's a liquid, it's 23% salt water. Um, that is the uh, industry standard for what you dissolve that salinity in the water to, um, to be active on the road and not refreeze or when it's, whether it's over the 23% or under the 23%. Um, it's just salt water that we make in-house. We've been fortunate a couple of years ago, we, we came to the table and talked about adding this tool to our toolbox. Uh, we partnered up with the city of Worcester who is so generous and we brought them salt and in return, they gave us the salt brine and we used it on a, for two winters on a trial basis mm -hmm. um, when we were able to, um, just to see if this would be a, a worthwhile venture. And it's certainly, it's another tool in our toolbox that's been valuable for us to have. Uh, we ended up buying a, a salt brine maker, a generator for ourselves and we make our, our own salt brine now. Um, we can keep about 6,000 gallons in storage, and then we have two trucks to, that are 700-gallon capacity. Uh, we spray about 40 gallons per mile. Mm -hmm. um, that's pretty much in it. 40 to 60 is a good, a good number, but uh, our trucks, to keep, up the, uh, to keep the speed at a reasonable level, mm -hmm. um, we're about, about 20 miles an hour mm -hmm. when the trucks are applying. Um, that gets us about 40 gallons per mile okay. to, get that, to get that right uh, amount of salt. In it. And then, you know, once that dries in the road, um, that salt is stuck there, and then it activates when it gets wet again. Mm -hmm. um, so th that's been a fantastic tool in our toolbox to have that ability to go out and. So that stops the snow from getting packed down and adhering to the road, yeah. even if it's driven over a little bit. Right. So if you went out and put uh, granular salt down on that road, 48, 24, 48 hours in advance, that salt's just going to go to the gutters. It's useless yeah. in the gutters, right? Because the crown's the crown of the road wants to take that mm -hmm. uh, water to the to the gutters. So this allows us to go out there uh, 24 to 48 in advance and spray this on when it dries. The little white lines are just the salt that's left, so it's stuck to the road. Mm -hmm. So it's already out there. It's not blowing off to the side. It's not going right. into the gutters. 
Um, so it's just a good tool. Like I say, last year we didn't have the, a huge opportunity to use it mm -hmm. because everything has been starting as rain. It was starting off a little warmer. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to keep the ice down in the catch basin. So we want to keep the ice down on the roads. Sure. And then uh, the other area of process improvement that comes to mind, or, or at least, you know, optimization is is optimizing the, the snowplow routes and things like that. You actually brought a company in and helped us do that. You want to talk a little bit about that project? Sure. We had a conversation a couple of years ago when, how did we get to where we are? How did we devise these routes? And and ultimately, they were just historic areas that they were divided up um, just with the staffing that we had and, and the equipment right. that was available. And uh, are we doing it the best way we can? Mm -hmm. uh, we hired a company out of Minnesota who, and unfortunately this was all during COVID time, mm -hmm. um, we did a lot of online meetings. They took all of our information, mm -hmm. our current areas, uh, our current maps, routing. And I had a lot of help from Dan McCullen in our GS, uh, excuse me, GIS department through engineering, helping devise these routes with this company and they took all our stuff and and put out eight brand new salt routes because that's what we can guarantee is eight trucks every time. Right. And they they realigned our routes. Some of the routes were as high as 32 miles on a route and some were as low as 18 or 19. So they actually consolidated them and we can do a salt route in two hours and I think two hours and 39 minutes right now for, for one of trucks and, and uh, it's right around 24 miles on average. They equaled them all out and and really did a good job. Um, the guys like them, it redesigned the borders of all their routes, so the internals weren't too bad, but they just moved the borders of them around. Okay. Um, I think it was a worthwhile venture. They did the plow routes too, but they came, we came in with 33 plow routes, plow routes, and they actually came back with 33 plow routes. So we didn't, we didn't change that. We still have them in our pocket, but we, we didn't change anything like that. To be honest, they kept asking us for changes. Give us changes. Well, if I keep giving them changes, we're just going to revert back to what I know, right? Mm -hmm. So we kind of just we left the plow routes alone and really took advantage of the salt routes. Uh, we also prioritized our sidewalk routes. Um, we they designed, they took our route as a whole and split it into into two groups mm -hmm. um, because we have two machines. Tell us, tell us, even these out for us, and and tell us, and it's actually driven by GPS. On tablets, we can put the tablets in the trucks, and um, or in the sidewalk plows, and send a new employee out. And it's a training tool we use it for too. Sure. Yeah. You know, once the guys get to you get used to their salt routes, they they know them pretty well. Uh, they don't have to rely on that stuff anymore. But if I had a new employee in a sidewalk machine, because when can you train on a sidewalk out in the snow? Right. Only when no, it snows. Yeah. So we can actually give the tablets and they can take the take the two sidewalk operators around town just like they could with with um with assault routes as well right it was a good a good venture uh Quetica did a very good job uh with this program in the process it was uh it was something to go through it was an experience You're i didn't know washington post i was gonna this. say i can't yeah. remember which yeah, yeah <laughs> which uh, yeah. company but <laughs> yep. the washington post actually called and interviewed me in uh, another another town nearby he interviewed us to see how how it came out, mm -hmm. um, because that's where the technology is driving. The industry is driving towards technology. Yeah. Uh, all of our salt trucks all have ground speed control. They're all computer driven, um, so they're putting out the proper amount of salt. We calibrate all the trucks to 250 pounds per lane mile. So if the truck goes faster, that conveyor is going to go faster. 
to keep up with the amount of salt you need to keep that 250 pounds. The slower the truck goes, if you say you get caught behind a school bus, mm -hmm. that conveyor is going to slow down to only right. put out that rate. Mm -hmm. They're all GPS driven, and then when they drive back into the garage for another another load, it automatically downloads to my computer, and I can generate a report for one or all of the trucks to get accurate amounts of material and that kind of that. Actually, um, the our prior superintendent John Nipstadt of that program mm -hmm. converting all that trucks to computerized spread controls of 2013, 2012. Mm -hmm. So this is this has been just standard practice for us. You know, as much as things change, we don't see the change maybe in the forefront, mm -hmm. but it's just this is just what we've been doing. Sure. So um, I guess the last part of winter operations is you know the residents can play a hand in um, helping or at minimum at least not hindering hmm. snow and ice operations. So uh, what should residents know about that they, they don't or how should they think about, uh, you know, handling their little part of the world? So a couple of things, you know, if we don't push snow on the road, that would be fantastic. That is, uh, that is just, you're impeding traffic. You're, you're actually causing a safety hazard at some points. Um, if we could keep this, wait till after the snow is done, wait till after the plows go by, so you don't have to shovel your driveway five times. If you, you know, if you have to keep up with it, we understand, but we're certainly not sitting around the corner waiting for you to finish shoveling and then go by, <laughs> you know, that, that wouldn't be advantageous for us at all. Um, if you keep your trash to behind, you know, back in the, uh, out of the street, if you mm -hmm. don't park in the street, mm -hmm. you, you'll, you won't get that phone call from the police department uh, when we're in an active plowing operation to have your car moved mm -hmm. um, bear with us you know the, the storms are long the the long durations at some point um, you just gotta let us do our job let us you know we'll get there we haven't skipped the road yet mm -hmm. if we have we'll come back and get it before we, we won't leave and we right. won't forget you mm -hmm. you know um, there's only 54 pieces of equipment out at a time there's only eight saw trucks at a time mm -hmm. but we'll get there we haven't we haven't left a storm undone yet so 54 divided over those 300 miles right. of lane miles of road means you're probably not going to see the truck very often but every four to six hours right. you know yeah so they, like i say there's 700 roads in town yeah. we'll get to them yeah working hard yep that's right all right so we'll we'll head into spring how does that feel oh spring is <laughs> spring it's a, a sometimes a a godsend right because we always look forward and i've said it for a number of years we like to change seasons because then it changes our operation. You know, once you're just sick of winter, here we go, springtime. And then we look to uh, street sweeping in the spring. Um, it's just a, a shifting of gears. It's the cleanup time from four plus months of just winter you don't want to deal with anymore. You know, we're doing our uh, spring repairs, any of the plow damage that we get. If residents call in, broken curb from a plow hitting it, um, any lawn damage that was incidental uh, with any of the plowing operations, whether it's sidewalk or mm -hmm. um, regular plowing operations, we're, we're and, compiling that list and going out and making repairs. And Nick, you mentioned before that a lot of these storms have started warmer and, and we all know temperatures have just been a little warmer than they have been in the past. So. Um, that makes it a little more challenging whenever you're plowing along the edge of a roadway that doesn't have a curb and sometimes we do lawn damage so because the ground's not frozen yep. right so it's not that there's recklessness or carelessness but when the ground's not frozen and you hit it with a curb 
it does a lot of visual damage, we'll say. It certainly does. It's, uh, it's very challenging, and I'm going to speak to the sidewalk plow operators because I've been in it. You know, once you know you're hitting it, it's too late. You've already mm -hmm. done the damage. When you have a five-foot sidewalk and a five-foot machine, there's very little room for error. Mm -hmm. right? So once you get off that piece of sidewalk, um, you're going to know you're, you're not going to know until it's right. too late. Um, we saw it with a lot of the private streets last year. It was uh, with nothing frozen. We pushed a lot of dirt around, mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, it's it's a nature of the beast. Mm -hmm. it, with nothing frozen, it sure we just we had a lot of troubles last year. So I, I don't want to take you back to winter because you're that's okay. You know, you know we're, we're done with winter. <laughs> we're done. We're in spring. <laughs> yep. So you you're, you're repairing those. You're cleaning those up. Folks can call in. We'll be out to fix them in the spring. You're doing your street sweeping program. How's that merge into summer and, and spring? And spring sweeping is an eight to twelve week process. Okay. Um, it utilizes four four of my staff, uh, two street sweepers and two dump trucks, and then we rotate uh, in different. We start in different spots of the town every year, so we split it up into into six six different sectors. So it's always rotating. So somebody's always going to be first, mm -hmm. but it's not the same first as last year. Makes sense. Um, we're doing uh, any stump grinding and any tree removal work mm -hmm. that has been on the list. Uh, we try to do any dangerous or bad trees um, at all times of year, but we try to like quarterly do stump grinding once we get enough on the list. Yeah. That entitles, uh, entails a couple of guys going around picking up the grinding, or grinding them, mm -hmm. picking up the grindings, looming and seeding, mm -hmm. and trying to keep keep that going. Um, when it comes to tree trimming, Nick, what, what trees are... You're the town's head of street, head, tree warden, head of forestry as well. So what trees is the town responsible for and how can residents think about that? Anything inside the right-of-way. So, okay. And I say right-of-way, unless it's in a subdivision where it's really well laid out, um, anything from the back of the sidewalk to the back of the sidewalk. Okay. Um, if nothing is... Nothing is set in stone on the other streets, some of the older roads, because the right-of-way varies in, in yeah. different parts of it. Um, but anything to do with street trees is what comes onto our purview. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the town property that abuts back of people's yards and side of people's yards, um, we we cover as well, as at least my uh, purview in, in forestry. All right. So when you say right-of-way, sometimes that can be as narrow as just the width of pavement, but then sometimes for a number of circumstances... It could be five or six five, eight, feet ten wide. feet. Yeah, in in some places on some of the older roads, okay. uh, the older country roads that are historic to the town. Okay, um, every road, especially like that, is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So without having good eyes on it, I can't give a definitive number. Mm -hmm. You know, but a generalization within a handful of feet from the side, from the edge of pavement. But no private trees. Yeah, we don't handle private trees, unfortunately. So summer takes us into prime paving season too, right? And that 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 more in. Uh, greater magnitude work like bigger projects yeah, things like that um that you know, we've already planned this out um leading up to this point leading up to the summer months um our engineering staff andy truman and his staff are phenomenal uh, they've been designing all our road work based on what we're giving them for information um every year that we get about nine hundred eighty nine thousand in chapter 90 funds um, directly from the state as a reimbursement program for our for our road work and we spend every cent of it on a road repair every year. 
This is this is all our large scale paving projects. Mm -hmm. um, we've been doing a, a bunch of work in conjunction with the Stormwater mm -hmm. Enterprise Fund, in conjunction with our Chapter Ninety work, doing all our drainage upgrades. Um, and we're doing three to four hundred thousand dollars worth of drainage upgrades on these roads that we're paving every year. This year, I believe we did almost three and a half miles of road, um, seventy plus catch basin remove and replace. Mm -hmm. uh, but engineering has designed all this work, and uh, we've get, got the same contract. We're fortunate to get the same contract for the past three years mm -hmm. through the bid process. And you know we're working off of our pavement management p program, mm -hmm. um, we're, which we're actually going to redo uh, this year mm -hmm. and get a re-up number of our road service rating mm -hmm. to see where we're at. The last time it was done was 2016. Um, and we're going to have another uh, consultant come in, look at our road network, and give it another grade to see where we're at. Okay. Um, so generally speaking, for public policy question for you, Nick. So you, you talked about doing three miles, three and a half miles of roadway a year. You talked earlier of having somewhere around 300 lane miles of road uh, to look at. Chapter 90 only being a million dollars or a little bit less, is that enough to really manage our capital needs for roadway improvements? Mm -hmm. So to keep up with that curve, so to speak, we need a significant amount more. Okay. I mean, we should be doing probably, I mean, it'd be no problem to do $3 million worth of work sure. every year. Uh, the only challenges we probably could face with that is the availability of contractors. Right. You know, there's only so many of these large contractors for this this uh, dollar value to go around. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've talked about doing different processes in town as well. Um, we tried that last year with, with Boylston Circle. We did a cold in place recycling. And then the the, uh, the inch and a half wear course on top of it. So that's something we're going to start investigating if there's different processes that are um, functional to keep our roads road network in, in good shape. When you, that process replaces what? A, a conventional milling and overlay? That process, the cold in place recycling, actually replaces a... Uh, Full depth reclamation. Okay. Um, so they actually they took a, a grinding machine and went down about five inches, added a foamed asphalt, water, and uh, Portland cement to it. And basically, what they gave us is a five inch base layer of asphalt. So basically, a five inch binder course. Mm -hmm. uh, reshaped the road, and then we put the inch and a half mm -hmm. wearing course on it. And they and we met all the driveways. I think we only had to do five or six driveway aprons on that on Boston Circle itself. Mm -hmm. um, so that process worked good, but now now it's time to start looking at, you know, what else can we do to manage our money, mm -hmm. and and get the biggest bang for our buck. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, we've been doing crack filling, um, on all our roads, not all the roads, all the roads that were necessary. And in the past couple of years, we've done fifty to sixty thousand dollars worth of crack filling. We want to keep our good roads good. So all the roads mm -hmm. that are three to five years old, we've done crack filling program on them, mm -hmm. um, and that's just maintaining. It, it keeps our infrastructure good. It keeps our yeah. Mm -hmm keeps water from infiltrating and, and mm. you know that this is just general stuff that you know makes a good pavement management plan mm -hmm. so what else in the in the summer i know we we recently purchased a uh, new piece of equipment for some roadside mowing and what's that program look like and what what else happens during those summer months? our roadside mowing program is one of uh, we were fortunate through uh, town meeting in, in our capital fund to purchase a, a new piece of equipment with about a 22 foot reach over the guardrail. We call it over the guardrail, but mm -hmm. it's uh, as far as it can off the side of the machine. Mm -hmm. um, we had an old machine that was probably in the mid 90s 
not very reliable. We get a day's worth of use and then it get broke down. Mm -hmm. um, this thing has been out there and we try to get out and mow at least twice. We, we nearly we nearly completed three times around town this summer um, because it's been so reliable. Uh, we're, we're just we're cutting everything back on, on these country roads to increase the visibility um, and just keep the roadsides mowed down. Pothole patching uh, is a constant process. Mm -hmm. We're always out there doing, you know, we call them perpetual potholes where we're going to go, we go cut out a square out in the road and, and try to not be there as much anymore. Take, take that, take that out of the, uh, out of the equation for any sort of defects in the road. We tackle sidewalk repair on our own, some smaller sections of, of sidewalk that don't fall under our chapter 90, yeah. uh, our chapter 90 fund. We, we don't have a large scale budget or really any budget for any sidewalk repair, although that's, it's starting to come to fruition. Um, engineering did a sidewalk prioritization plan to uh, close the gaps on our network and, and start adding sidewalks because the demand is there. People are asking for this. But we also have to fix the, some of the trip hazards and stuff. So we work on that uh, throughout the year. We have a uh, catch basin cleaning and repair. Um, we clean, uh, a contractor cleans roughly 2,000 catch basins a year for us. We have a drainage network about of just under 6,000 catch basins. Um, so they're doing 2,000 of them for us a year, and we're picking up the other 1,500 or so so we can achieve about a year's worth of, you know, half the town in about a year. We've been doing that since like 2008 or nine, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we do all our traffic control, uh, all the line painting, signage. Uh, we have a contract to help us with the long line and some of the, the major intersections, mm -hmm. um, but we the guys have taken uh, undertaken a lot of the painting, the stop lines, crosswalks, stop bars. Mm -hmm. um, they take all that. They took all that the past two years and and started to do it again. That you know was historically contracted out. Okay. Uh, so you guys do it all. We, we we do a little bit of everything. Like I say, we we got a good group that's a jack of all trades. Mm -hmm. um, but th there's a lot there's a lot to do for nine employees you know so what's what's different in the fall from the summer anything hit the last season so we do uh we actually do fall street sweeping okay um that's part of our stormwater that we're, we're mandated to do all the roads uh, we we always start on the lake side of town and work eastward so um we have to do a fall street sweeping we're we're a little bit better than half done right now mm -hmm. that's a four to five week program um, we're not out there picking up leaves. We don't ask anybody to put that out, piles of leaves out in the street like some neighboring communities do, but we, we go by and pick up any of the small debris and, and some of the leaves. Um, we're training specifically on snow routes right now because we, we did have a couple new employees start. So that's a, that's a big thing, making sure they're comfortable out on, that, on those routes and those roads um, you know, so they don't fail. We want to set them up for success. You know, this is the time we're doing a lot of our classes and, and prepping for winter and and getting everybody on board so we're all on the same page and the same going in the same direction mm -hmm. great so we've talked about some of your background and and the innovations that really help make the highway division the best that it can be and part of the best local government in the world and that takes us to the best segment of the <laughs> Of the entire podcast, so this is a twofer. I've been looking forward to this. To be honest. We, need to, we need to stuff ourselves mm. because it's just that time of the year, being Thanksgiving week. So um, we have we have two questions, and we'll start with you each time, and I'll try to avoid answering it. Okay. Um, 
Nick, what do you think the best Thanksgiving side is? So I'm not much on the side dishes, right? Okay. I'd rather go for the appetizers. I throw, I get three off. So I'm more of a. Do you like potato salad, by the way? I no, I'm, I'm gonna leave the potato <laughs> salad uh, alone. Okay. Okay. But um, I like the appetizers. I'd rather the picking foods, the cheese and crackers, the uh, um, anything with dips and stuff like that. Okay. So I mean, I'll take the sides. Don't get me wrong, but right. I'd rather I'd rather go for the appetizers. Hold up on that. Innovating his own answer away right? from the question. Yeah. How about you, Taylor? Um, I love 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 sweet potato casserole. But I will say my contribution to Thanksgiving dinner is the appetizers. I bring buffalo chicken dip every year. So we're on the same page. See? Nice. <laughs> Have you ever brought potato salad? To Thanksgiving? Yeah. No, my aunt makes really good potato salad, so I don't want to <laughs> mess with her. mess with her. Her, her rain over the potato salad good. in the summer. Good, good. <laughs> That's awesome. So... Um, Your turn. I will... I'm a big fan of green bean casserole. I like it. It's it's reserved for Thanksgiving and Christmas, so you get the mm -hmm. two shots, you know, kind of relatively back to back, but then it goes in the shelf on the shelf and doesn't come back out. So I really like it. The, so, the French fried onions. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, all that. The more French fried onions, the, the better. better. There you go. Yep. So in our special twofer edition of the best, because I did promise him a music related. It's got to be best, music related. Because you're Nick's, a musician. And your stock is rising. I hope so. Yeah. 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 We don't hope we, so. We, we don't hope it overcomes the highway part of it. I think that's. Uh, I think that ship sailed. But. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is the best covered song? So it's not. You know, uh, I know you know what covered means, but we're just all in the same realm yep. here. It was originally someone else. Originally someone else. else's song. It was, it was put on by someone else. Maybe a little bit better. Okay. Maybe not. All right. So I'm gonna throw you off on this one too i have a it's handful question, of them Nick. i have it a handful be, of them right? your so if that's what it was going to be it's anything anything by the tipton rock band but no uh i have a handful and i couldn't pick just one okay you, pre you prepped me for this one got you. um you really got me van halen did a kink song pretty woman van halen did roy Orbison. uh i'm gonna throw this one way back a bunch of years ago we played a song by Jeffrey Gaines. He he covered a P.D. Gabriel song, uh, In Your Eyes. Okay. Phenomenal uh, version of it. And we did a cover of the Jeffrey Gaines version. Okay. Um, but the one I've heard recently, I'm a big fan of da uh, Journey. Mm -hmm. um, Daughtry did a cover of Separate Ways. Oh, really? If you haven't heard that one, that's a really good cover. Yeah. I don't know if any of them are the best. Yeah. But it hit some, it hit some, of my, some of my take home hits right there. Interesting. All right, Taylor, roll with your list. We'll give you freedom. Uh, give me Nick freedom. inspired me to have more than one. You don't have to have more than one. No, I have a few. Right. Um, so the one I wrote down was, I'm going to keep it, I'll do like all my female artists to balance out. Um, Phoebe Bridgers does a good cover of Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. I'm a big Phoebe Bridgers fan, so love that. Um, Taylor Swift has a good cover of You're So Vain another good one um and then her and um stevie nicks uh did like a mashup at the um grand old opry a few years ago that was a bunch of fleetwood mac songs so i don't know if that counts because an og fleetwood macker was in Part the cover yeah. but 
you know, well, Taylor Swift it's was a collaboration. Yeah, it's so a collaboration. That's fine. I appreciate it. Yeah. Here, right, Liz, so, let's go. So my, <laughs> so one of my favorites is Zombie by Bad Wolves, which was originally a Cranberries by the I Cranberries. So really good. I like it. But so I'll also go to, I like the Sound of Silence uh, by Disturbed, yep. mm-hmm. uh, which That's uh, it's, I think is really good. And then really recently chose my, I'm all over the place. The Fast Car by Luke Combs, uh, I think is just a song that is a lot of fun. So I've enjoyed listening to it lately. So yeah, that was, that was very, wow, look at us. that was over Look at us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right off the rails. That's right. So, well, Nick, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, you were able to really describe how complex the highway division operations are and how things play out for you in a not so average, average year. and. Uh, we really appreciate all your hard work and dedication and all the innovative things that you're doing uh, to help uh, make the town and envision the, the best that it can be. So thanks for coming on. This has been another great episode of the Town Manager Download. If you have a question or comment, just remember you can always reach us at tmdownload at shrewsburyma.gov. On behalf of Taylor Galusha, I'm Kevin Mizikar. Thank you for listening.